All right. Welcome to episode two, bonus episode two. Okay, we're calling these bonus episode two lookup list. That's right. Yeah. Not fact check. Lookup list. Lookup list. Lookup list. That's right. Yeah. Which is, which, I mean, it is a fact check, but I like the lookup list because these are essentially things that were on your lookup list. Which is similar. Same thing. Same, same. We're checking facts. We're looking up up the facts. (laughs) We're looking up the facts. (laughs) That's right. Um, Okay. Welcome to our bonus episode two lookup list. So episode two was Adrian Salinas. It was the the suspicious death. It wasn't murder because remember she was her body was found, but there was no no even official suspect. There were suspects, but they were all let go. There was nobody who what's the word I'm looking for? Was charged or even an identified yeah, um that's right, person. Right. Yeah. That's right. So um and that was what's sad about it is it was because I was re-looking over it today, I found some interesting things pertaining to her that you had asked that we're going to go over. But I was reminded that it was in 2013, which is a long time ago. That's so long to not have any, it's almost 10 years, nothing. Makes me feel like they're, I don't want to say this, but my first thought is, oof, it's been 10 years basically. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I do have some is it still an open case, though? It is. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it is. Let's see, when will this... You know what? This is going to come out on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, so maybe we should say Merry Christmas to people who celebrate. Happy holidays to people who celebrate other holidays, and if you don't celebrate, hope you got time off work. There you go. That's a nice thing to say. I agree with that. Okay, so our first... The first uh, thing on the lookup list was... I said in the episode that during a single monsoon, there can be half a million lightning strikes, 500,000. And you were like, whoa. And then, and then I, and then I questioned myself. I was like, I should have, I should have like dug deeper into that to make sure that's correct. And so I did for this. You said 500,000. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, you said 500, which you did say 500,000 now Mm -hmm. that I'm saying it out loud. But even 500 seems like a lot. A ton, right? For one monsoon, yeah. So I did look, I did dig a bit further and I found two different sources um, that confirm that. So from the Arizona Republic newspaper, um, they said Arizona averages more than half a million lightning strikes during a typical monsoon. One monsoon. One monsoon. Right. And um, and then NWS Phoenix. I didn't look up what NWS. National Weather Service, I imagine. Oh, good. Thank you. Yep, that's probably it. Says Also said, to just kind of back that up, the average number of lightning strikes for a monsoon is 421,000. So they're... Pretty much right in line. Yeah. Um, And then I just found some other kind of cool things about about lightning and lightning in monsoons. That lightning is the most underrated weather hazard. um, And that on on average, only floods kill more people than lightning in terms of like weather things. Which we talked about floods or flash floods. Guess what question I'm going to ask. Okay, wait. Let me guess. Lightning is the most underrated weather hazard on average. Only floods kill more people. How many people die from floods? 
How many people die from lightning? I'm going... Wait, am I not going to tell you that? Uh, oh, yep. oh yeah. Okay, over the past decade in the United States, lightning fatalities killed around 35 people per year. That's a... I mean, that's not a lot compared to all the other deathly... Deaths? Things. Mm-hmm. Um, 35 a year. To die from being struck by lightning? What do you think that would feel like? Uh, nothing, pretty much, because you oh. get struck... And you, I think, I have no idea, but I think you kind of die or, or go into shock slash coma slash pass out. I don't know. Immediately. I have no idea. Fact check it for the <laughs> second layer of the lookup list. But I want to know where most of those or where the majority of those happen. And I'm going to guess golf courses. The 35 oh. a- annually. That's a great, you should write that down. That's a really great thing to look up. We could include it on the next lookup list fact check just as a follow up. Because I was going to say, I did look, and I don't have it in front of me, but I did. I was looking at like a map of the United States that was saying how many people per year were getting struck by lightning in each state. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were in the Southwest. And there's a lot of golf courses here. There sure are. Um, This was another interesting fact about lightning. The air near a lightning strike is heated to 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is hotter than the surface of the sun. Whoa. That lets you know why people die. Well, there you go. That actually speaks to what my kind of thought or guess was, that I don't think it feels like much. You probably just like, I would imagine if if that melt. Yeah, you just like disintegrate into dust. That sounds more like a superhero movie, but I feel like that kind of is what I think. Well, no, I feel like I had a a dream, a nightmare about this once that stuck with me. Have you ever had a nightmare as like a child that stuck with you till Mm -hmm. adulthood? I can still remember one. Yep. Me too. I remember one or two, two, I guess. And I feel like you melt like wax. Ew. Real quick. There's a movie with Paris Hilton and... Chad Michael Murray called The House of Wax or something. It's a horror I've movie. I've seen it. I have too. Weirdly. Not a good movie. Not great. Not great. Why does someone get hit by lightning? No, not by lightning, but people turn into wax or melt like wax or something like that, which is, you know, my brain went there. It's going to um, make me think of Madame Tussauds, but we'll oh. say that later. Don't go there. Okay. Um, okay. So, oh, th- this was the one last thing that I thought was interesting. So, remember... If you hear thunder, if you can hear thunder, you are close enough to a storm to be struck by lightning, which I think I've heard that before. Um, And then on this website, it also said, and this was a national weather website. I can't remember if it was Phoenix or just in general. I thought this was funny. It said, get inside a house, large shelter, or an all-metal vehicle. And then in parentheses, it said, not a convertible. (laughs) Like, no shit. An all-metal vehicle to avoid... Lightning? Yeah, because it has a rubber tires, I'm guessing. I guess, yeah, if that's your only option. Okay, right. okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah, a car is supposed to be a pretty safe place yeah, to be. Yeah, because the rubber tires mm-hmm. are what seats it, I guess. Yeah, if a safe shelter is not available, find a low spot away from trees, fences, and poles. So like a ditch? A wash. In an open field? Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, oh, sorry. I said it. I have one more interesting thing. I thought this was kind of cool. In monsoons that are generally in the Southwest, because the air is so dry, some thunderstorms produce rain that evaporates before it ever reaches the ground. 
That's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess I think about that, like, um, also when it's quite chilly here um, and stormy. It can rain. It can even hail or sleet and, like, it won't make it all the way. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, and so it says, in those storms, when they start to collapse, they produce winds that stir up big clouds of dust as they blow over the dry, undeveloped desert between Phoenix and Tucson, which leads to haboobs or dust storms, which is exactly the haboob we got caught in was when we were dri- when I we were driving from Phoenix to Tucson. That's right. Yeah. So that is all right. That's our lightning fact check. Now this one I'm excited about. You thought you wouldn't find anything on this. I know, and I told, and I looked a lot, and I found a Reddit thread. Um, so the question that Jenna had asked on episode two was, "What are some of Adrian's hobbies, and/or what is her job?" Now I did not find out what her job was, but I did find out a little bit more about her hobbies and I, just some additional information from this Reddit thread. So first of all, this Reddit thread was just from nine months ago which is recent considering this murder was 10 years ago. And on Reddit, you don't know, no one knows who's posting Mm-mm. the thread or starting Mm-mm. the thread. No, but um, the the person who posted the thread said, started it and by, it was just kind of recapping the entire death and the whole case. And within that um, recap, it said, Adrian was an aspiring journalist described by her father Rick as an intelligent, responsible, and motivated young young woman who loves watching movies and reading. Adrienne had a tattoo of a sun on her neck just below her left ear, and she also wore a lip piercing with a clear stone. She was very close with her younger brother, and she had a longtime boyfriend, Francisco, who she met in eighth grade, which we knew. Um, what does that mean? A clear stone lip piercing. So I pictured, and I have no idea. There can be all kinds of lip piercings, but mm-hmm. I pictured down the middle lip piercing. I picture well, and it's funny because I've seen a lot of pictures of her. I have not seen a lip piercing. I'm picturing like one of those like stud lip piercings, just oh. like right here yeah, okay, in yeah. the middle of her lip, kind yeah, of same kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that's all I found about her hobbies. But then in this Reddit thread, I went through. There was 175 comments. I went through a lot of the comments and um, at the top of the Reddit thread, this kind of gave me chills. It said, she vanished in the 14 minutes between her speaking with a cab driver and then failing to arrive at her requested pickup location. Ugh, we knew that, but the way that was phrased just I thought was really Did it shift your mind somewhere? No, um, but that's just, you know, 14 minutes. She in such a small period of time for her to just vanish. But what does that mean? She vanished. Okay, so it says at five oh seven a.m., fourteen minutes after the initial call from the cab driver, her phone shut off. Okay, that. Yep. Police stated Salinas disappeared while walking on Hardy Drive between Fifth Street and University Drive in Tempe. A surveillance camera caught a woman resembling her walking near the corner of Hardy and University. She walked through an O'Reilly Auto Parts parking lot at 4.52 a.m. In the footage, she seemed to be being followed by a dark four-door vehicle driving through the same lot approximately two minutes later. But that vehicle still remains unidentified. So they couldn't zoom in and see her, Mm -hmm. or not her, the person, the car's license. And they couldn't even confirm that it was her. It just resembled her. Well, 
Wait, okay, a surveillance camera caught a woman resembling Salinas walking near the corner. Mm-hmm. She walked through an O'Reilly Auto Parts. She seemed to be fall. Okay, what I want to know is, I understand they couldn't confirm that was her. Obviously, I'm sure you would have found this, but they could not confirm that the dark four-door vehicle, they couldn't see the license no. plate or anything. No. In the episode, did I, I know I talked about, um, you know, first they thought it was Francisco, and then the, and then they didn't know. There was really, they thought maybe the cab driver, and then the final theory that, I, I can't remember if we left this in the episode or not, was that um, she was in in the same area as this man, Brian Patrick Miller, who was deemed the zombie killer, who had killed people, had, had decapitated women um, like 20 years prior. I think he's since been caught and convicted and is in prison, I believe. But that night, he was just suspected of that. Like police had been looking at him, whatever, at that point in time. And that night he was said to be within like a certain mile. I, did, I think I did talk about this on the episode. You talked about the zombie killer. Yeah. You did not say, I do not believe you said that specific thing of he was seen right in that area at that night. Well, he was um, apparently at a party or something about a mile away from her party. And then he also worked about a mile away from where her body was dumped. So now one user on this Reddit thread... um, said this, and this is verbatim what they posted, and this is their theory, and I think it's kind of amazing. Terrible, but amazing. Um, They said, I'm sorry, but it's way too coincidental that the victim was allegedly identified from her thorax, meaning her head was missing, which we knew, um, and Brian Patrick Miller decapitated a victim and was known to have pictures of decapitated women in his possession. And he was less than 5,000 feet from the convenience store on that night. Plus, he owned a dark-colored four-door vehicle. I think he did it. Now, I don't know. How, I didn't know. I didn't find any evidence or anything that confirmed that he was less than 5,000 feet from that AMPM where she called the cab. I don't know. Um, so this person might have information that we don't, obviously, if that is true, that is very coincidental or not coincidental (laughs) or not coincidental. Yes. Um, did you look up that AMPM on fifth and mm -hmm. university? Yeah. Yeah. I I've seen the surveillance footage of the cab pulling in. Um, I mean, this is all right around ASU. Yeah. Very close. Very close. Yeah, I, 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 I can't help but that's why I saved that one person's post because that seems like, I've said like 50,000 times in the past five minutes, sorry. Um, that seems incredibly feasible that he could have done it. But there's never been any proof. Um, so, I mean, to this day, no one has been named an official suspect or charged with any involvement. There is a $20,000 reward still being offered to anyone who provides information about the person or persons responsible. And anyone with information about this case should contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or the Tempe, Arizona Police Department at 480-350-8311. And we'll include that in the show notes on this uh, episode. So the next thing on the lookup list was, you know, kind of the stats on when you go missing or, or get killed, what are the statistics regarding how often it's someone you know versus someone 
a, a stranger versus a stranger. I imagine it's leaning towards someone you know. Right. Like way a lot. So I found a few different statistics on this. Um, one has to do with, first I looked up like missing, like when people disappear. And, and honestly, it's funny. I typed this in so many different ways to Google. And every time I, I typed in abductions or missing or or disappearing people, things like that, like I tried to phrase it a bunch of ways. Nothing came up about adults. The only things that came up were about kids, which is so sad like kidnapping abduction yeah children kidnapping like not adults so there are approximately 1435 child kidnappings each year family members abduct children in 1230 of those cases what do you think the majority of those are i don't know i'm just gonna ask this um like custody disputes probably yeah that's what i thought of like when there's an amber Amber Alert. Mm-hmm. I'm sure sometimes it's m- much more awful, but I think a, lo- a fair amount of times it's a parent going and ob- obtaining their child, or however yeah. you say it. Yeah. yeah, that's and the statistics <clears throat> support that because of those uh, 1,435 kidnappings of children per year, t- only 205 of them were non-family abductions. Now, don't get me wrong; 205 children were kidnapped by strangers last year. That's terrible, but that's a that's a very heavily leaning towards, you know, family members or people that they know at least. It's like one sixth. I can't do that fast math, but that seems like two hundred right of fourteen hundred. Let's take the fourteen hundred. Oh, maybe I did that wrong. So, oh, no, one you're seventh, right. One seventh. Yeah, one seventh. That's right. Um, so then I looked into how often. When, when somebody is murdered, how often is it by a family member or an acquaintance versus a stranger? Um, and so I found a couple different statistics, but basically the overall message was that stranger homicide is extremely rare. Um, young men are more at risk than women of being murdered by a stranger, but women are far more likely to be murdered by a man known to them, a family member, friend, or intimate partner than a stranger. And it was very clear to say murdered by a man. Why do you think that is? I I actually mean that. Why Um, do you think that is? I mean, I hear that women, let's take the gender out for a second, women are more likely to be murdered, killed by someone who knows them, but then it's also a male. Yeah, by by their romantic partners. Um, so this is, uh, let's see, according to the FBI, 28.3% of homicide victims were killed by someone they knew other than family members. So an acquaintance, a friend, a partner, whatever of those victims, 13% were slain by family members and nearly 10% were killed by strangers. I don't love that statistic. It's a little confusing to me. Um, there was a global study on homicide done in 2019 so this is the whole world. Uh, that's what global means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so a total of 87,000 women were intentionally killed in 2017. More than half of them, 58%, were killed by an intimate partner or other family member, meaning that 137 women across the world are killed by a member of their own family every day. 
Ugh. Every day in 2017, but yeah. still, yes, that's yeah. a general statistic that stands up. It right. doesn't matter whether it's 99 a, a day or right. 150. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere lot. in there. That's the mean. It's a lot. Uh, more than a third of the women intentionally killed in 2017 were killed by their current or former intimate partner, someone they would normally expect to trust. Although... Women and girls account for a far smaller share of total homicides than men. They bear by far the greatest burden of intimate partner or family-related homicides. So even though more men are killed in, intentionally a year, um, those are generally those are much more often done by strangers. The women who are killed of the women who are killed every year, it's all. It, I mean, it's it's almost it's not always, but it is the majority it is by an intimate partner or a family member or someone they know. Feels like you're kind of driving home the point that women are killed mostly by men that they know. Yeah, it, I mean, I am because I just well, okay, and so Calif and this is the last statistic I have and then I'm going to and then I'm going to share a personal thing. California stats from violence from the Violence Policy Center said that in 2018, so this is just California, um, 192 females were killed by males in the state, and 88% of the victims knew their killer. 68% of the victims were killed by an intimate partner. Who do you think the other 20% were? Um, a, a father? Because they're males, right? A father, a grandfather, a best friend that's a male, a son. Brother. I guess any any Uncle. kind of male connection. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I knew their killer. Yeah, I mean a co-worker. This also doesn't shock me, and also it makes me think... It, maybe it means men are reactive. Also, maybe it means men have more access to deadly weapons. Also, maybe it means men, and this is not overall, I don't think this, but... Uh, have a tendency to violence more? Well, no, I, maybe, but the average, I was going to say, is men tend to, which I don't actually think is true, but physically might be stronger than women. Oh, I think, I think sometimes, yeah. I think a lot of times, yeah. I mean, I have... So this reminds me of an argument that I had with my ex-husband repeatedly. And that was that he, we argued constantly, I don't know, we, we, it started as a discussion, not an argument, obviously. It started as a conversation um, talking about that women, when you hear about rape, women are f more often the victims of rape and they were the victims of rape by men. And he argued with me, absolutely not. Men are raped just as much, if not more, than women. And his argument was... I forgot about this. Yeah, his argument was... And he would argue... I mean, he would argue it like, like to the end of time. Like he would not let it go. Was he only looking up the statistics of people that are incarcerated? Well, that's what I was going to say. So I'm he, not his, saying male individuals are not raped i'm saying you said he thought it was way just yeah he thought it was more he thought that men were raped more often than women and his argument to back that up was that because of of prison because men who are in prison are raped more because more men are incarcerated i don't know if that's actually true but he was saying men get raped more in prison if we look and i haven't looked this up but i imagine if anyone were to look at just the rapes as they relate to incarceration, I imagine that males are raped more. Than females in prison or jail. 
Yes. One, sure, because maybe. I think they're reported more. I have no idea why. Two, because I think perhaps there are more males that are incarcerated. And I guess that's it. One and two. Okay. <laughs> I don't I, I, I don't know. And I honestly, I don't think he ever looked up the statistics. I think he just wanted to, I don't know what. I, I genuinely have no idea why. Should we call him? No. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> Chris, can you tell us about our? Uh, can you tell us about your theory your that old men argument. are raped more than women? In, but he said that, like in general, and and I said, okay, fine. So take, he said in general, not just in well, right? Because I said, fine, take out the prison. He said, well, and then it became like, well, you can't take it out because it, it exists, and you know, I mean, he got, he got real self righteous about it. I was like, you know, how many times is a man walking down the street in at night by himself? And he gets thrown on the ground and raped. I'm sure that occurs. I don't think it occurs more than it occurs for women. I just don't. I don't think so either. I haven't looked it up. So I, I, you know, don't quote me on that, I guess. Maybe I need to do some research. But in in general, I know a, a, a fair amount of women who have been raped. I don't know any men who have. Yeah, no, I think you... Yeah, if we're talking about, like, I think when most people say what population, whether it be the genders, the ages, the socioeconomic status, what population has been most affected by sexual assault, rape, Mm -hmm. it is cisgender women. Yes. Or, or, yep, don't quote me on that, but yes. Yeah. Well, yes, I think females, and, and, and this maybe won't go over well. But also I think it is difficult for a woman to rape a man. It's not impossible, but it is difficult. Just based on on biological, physiological penises and vaginas, it is far easier for a man to rape a woman physically than for a woman to do that to a man or to another woman. I know there are other appendages and things that can be used. I, I understand that there are many varying levels of this. But in general, it it, it just seems like an easy... It's a terrible conversation, I know. But I just looked up something that oh, no. feels even worse. Oh, what? Every 68 seconds, and this isn't going to genderize anything right away. Every 68, every 68 seconds, an American... Which, why are we only talking about Americans? But fine. Every 68 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Younger people are at a higher risk of sexual violence. The majority of sexual assault victims are under 30. Um, 54% are 18 to 34. Mm. Women and girls experience sexual violence at higher rates. One out of every six American women, woman has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime which means 14.8% completed. That sounds accurate to me. Yeah. Men and boys are also affected by sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, as of uh, 1998, we don't need to know that. Yeah, transgender, that's a whole nother story. That Yeah. Whew. But yeah, wow. But still, yes, I think cis females, so women that are born female, mm-hmm. bisex are more... That's, I don't know why. Yeah. Except for what you said also. Yeah. I think physically, I think, 
I think there's probably a ton of reasons, but in my head, without having done a ton of research into this, physically, I think it is just, it just is. And I'm going to not complete that and because there's a whole road that I could go down with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll leave it there and move on to like a much, much lighter topic of valley fever. Merry Christmas and happy <laughs> holidays. <laughs> That's right. This Sorry. is coming out on Christmas Eve. What a terrible Christmas Eve episode. Well, but I mean, it, it is an interesting conversation. It's honestly a conversation that it's I would also love. reality. Yeah, it is a very sad Reality, yes. Um, Which is much of reality. Except for Christmas. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Christmas can sometimes be a sad reality. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe some people might find this not comforting, but like, okay, not everyone finds like the holidays. Amazing. You have to talk about like Santa. (laughs) Yeah, no, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, no, I, I think that the holidays can be very lonely sometimes for many people so maybe this conversation on rape and valley fever makes you feel better (laughs) yeah it'll be a welcome distraction um so valley fever we talked about because it what your face is saying i'm sorry i'm looking at the the word the the official word of valley fever yeah i'm gonna try and say it so cool valley fever is also, we talked about this in the episode because Adrian had valley fever and had to have lung surgery um, several months before she she was killed. So valley fever, which is also called cacodidiomycosis. That sounds good. Oh, mycosis. That's what lets me know there's a fungal aspect to it. Why? Mycology is fungal... Oh, I didn't know that. But you knew that there's a fungal aspect to belly yes, fever. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So the we talked about it, and, and Jenna had said in the episode that it is a fungal infection, but just to give a little bit more context to it. So it's it's an infection caused by the fungus cocodiodes. Cocodiodes? Cocodiodes. I don't know how to say that. It's a fun. It's caused by a fungus. So valley fever is caused by a fungus known to live in the soil in the southwestern United States and parts of Mexico and Central and South America. The fungus was also recently found in South Central Washington. Um, it's a the so how you get valley fever is by inhaling these fungal spores that are in the air, and in extremely rare cases. You can get the infection from another source, such as an organ transplant, if the organ donor had valley fever, or from inhaling spores from a wound infected with the fungus, which sounds disgusting. Who's inhaling a wound? Well, no one... Oh, inhaling spores from a wound. Well, maybe... I don't know if you and I were out camping and you got... You had valley fever, let's say, but no one knew, and then you got bit by a rattlesnake and Hmm. I had to not that I would do that sorry but suck you know they say like kind of suck the venom out yeah you're never supposed to do that oh you're not okay Mm -hmm. that was a movie well okay so if I just sniffed your wound yeah that's what I'm saying who's sniffing like if you cut yourself am I but you know what let's say this here's another scenario we're out in the desert camping and you cut your leg open by accident with a knife and um 
and I'm wrapping it for, and you have valley fever, and I'm wrapping it for you. I'm very close to it, and I'm breathing. Sure. You know, maybe I happen to breathe in. I don't know if that's Which I guess is the same as anyone who's digging around, any dog who's digging around a backyard Mm -hmm. where there might be this fungus in the backyard. That's how they contract it. Right. right? So um, most people who have valley fever will make a full recovery. A small percentage of people develop long-term lung infections that can take several years to get better. In very rare, severe cases, the nervous system can be affected and there can be long-term damage, but it's very rare. Um, I thought this was interesting. I uh, some I found a website where it was like questions about valley fever. It said, is valley fever contagious? And the answer is no. The fungus that causes valley fever can't spread from the lungs between people or between people and animals, which is pertinent because your dog had it or has it. Has it. And that's what I was waiting for. I I think I knew or I assumed, I didn't know factually, that dogs can't, humans can't contract it from another species such as a dog. Right. And I get, yes, people can get it, but at least here in Arizona, it is hugely way more common for dogs to get sure. it. Well, I honestly, I'm surprised that, so Jenna's dog pilot has, has had it and has it. Has it. Yeah. And so I'm very surprised and, and I don't know that my dog Henry as of now doesn't because he loves digging in the dirt. Oh, he's laying right here. We're talking about you, Ben. Um, and so, so when I was reading about this, I was like, well, how do you not get it? Because it's in the dirt. And if there's a dust storm, or if it's very dusty one day, how do you not breathe? You can't not breathe. In- what am I going to walk around with a mask all the time? I mean, during COVID, yes, well, I guess that's so. that's what your thing says right here. Yeah, it said it, the best way to reduce the risk is to avoid breathing in dirt or dust. Um, keep your doors closed. Keep your air conditioning, your heat on. Um, wear an N95 mask or respirator. So unrealistic, though. Yeah, Yes, for humans. I mean, maybe now it's a bit more realistic because more people have N95s around. But mm -mm. Um, also, I'm more concerned about the animals, the dogs. What, are we going to put an N95 on their face? No. No, of course not. Um, So Old Town Scottsdale. We mentioned it and you had said like it's bar heavy and it's like nicer bars, not like 4th Ave here, but not like too bougie. Mm-hmm. Um, so just briefly, I, I looked. I mean, I've we've both been there, haven't we? Yeah. Well, I'm. I know you've been there. I've definitely been there. Yeah. It's been a while though. I, I don't really... mean that. Like I've been there so much more. I just mean I'm only in my own life. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Old Town Scottsdale has always been. This is like from the like Experience Scottsdale website. It's pretty basic, but just to give some context to what it is, it says Old Town Scottsdale has always been among the most vibrant and unique urban downtown centers in the American Southwest. Its pedestrian-friendly streets are home to world-class art galleries, museums, restaurants, and retail shops. And when the sun goes down, you don't have to you don't have to because of the exciting nightlife. And when the sun goes down, you don't have to because of the exciting nightlife. Oh, like you don't have to go down for bed because it's so lively. That's right. Um, apparently, Old Town Scottsdale consists of nine walkable neighborhoods, a unique collection of shops, restaurants, art galleries, and nightclubs, as well as contemporary public art installations, world-class museums, and historic sites from the late 1880s. Um, it's a blend of urban chic and Old West charm. 
I feel like you ha- you haven't been there based on how you're saying it. I mean, I, I, I have and I can't picture it in my head. It obviously wasn't that impressive to me if I can't remember it. Or it was, was hundred years ago. Yeah. Or, and or, or both are all. <laughs> um, all right. So that's, that's Old Town Scottsdale. Um, not much to say about that. Not really, no. But uh, the next one is, why doesn't T-Mobile release phone records? Because we talked about how... Um, in Adrian's case, they were co- they subpoenaed a bunch of different phone companies for because they were trying to see who was in the area where she was last seen, and also in the area where her body was found within a, a short period of time. And every phone company gave up those the that information, those records, except for T-Mobile. So I didn't find a a hard and fast answer to this, but I did find some interesting information. Um, T-Mobile is the third largest cell giant in the U.S. So in 2018, they received, T-Mobile received 459,989 requests for, you know, subpoenas, court orders, just cell phone information. And the company rejected 85,201 of those requests. So that's not that much, actually, if you think about it. That's a very small fraction of... Less than like a fifth. Yeah. God, you're really good at that quick math there. Basically, what I found was that... um, This was interesting. This is not specific to T-Mobile, but depending on what law enforcement is looking for... They may not need to have your actual device because so many people store information on, like, if you have an iPhone, you store it to Apple's iCloud, and the government can get all of it from Apple. If they need to see whose DMs you slid into, they can contact Twitter. As long as they go through the proper and established legal channels, police can get their hands on pretty much anything that you've stored outside of your actual physical device, so anything in the cloud, Dropbox, iCloud, whatever. And even if you don't store it in the cloud, it doesn't matter. They can access your call records through your whatever, even T-Mobile through your carrier, your carrier call records and your text records, perhaps not the contents of your text. Sure. But who and what time and the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and each company holds on to different holds on to this information for different amounts of time. AT&T holds on to data such as call records, cell locations, and cell tower dumps for seven years. T-Mobile holds on to similar information for two years, and Verizon holds on to it for one year. And then I found this really interesting chart um, about T-Mobile specifically. So what they need like the minimum required legal process in order to get certain information. So to get, um, for example, what they were trying to get in Adrian's case was um, location information, historical location information. And they have to have probable cause and a search warrant. So if I'm remembering correctly, I think that the police slash investigators in Adrian's case had a subpoena but did not have a search warrant. And that's why I'm guessing that T-Mobile said no. Why did they not have a search warrant? That's my next level or layer of lookup list on this. Because if that's true, 
because I understand I a certain why. amount of evidence has to be there, right? To get a search warrant versus a subpoena. I have, I, have an, I think I have an answer for this. And this is just off of my brain. <clears throat> but so a subpoena, I don't, I, I think is like gathering widespread information. Whereas a search warrant, if they like, that's specific to a person. So, so they were not trying to, they weren't saying, I need this person's location data. They were saying, we want location data for all cell phones that were in this area and this area between these dates. So they were kind of just doing a sweep. They weren't looking at one person specifically. They were trying to look at all of these people and narrow them down. So you can't get a search warrant for all of these people because there's not probable cause for all of these people. They're just random people. Not lo- not location or person specific. Right. Mm. Yeah, so that's my thought on it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's it. That's that's the most I can find out. Um, and the last thing. I'm going to make a podcast called The Lookup List. I like it. And it's Underneath another lookup list and lookup list and lookup list. Jeez. Welcome to my brain. Oh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird and wonderful and scary. I was going to say scary, but I think weird and wonderful is a nice way to describe it. That's fine. Um. The last one is ionization and rain. And this was something I knew nothing about that you did know about. I didn't know that. I don't know the facts or the yeah, the actual facts. I just know there's a benefit to the rainwater slash the ionized rainwater. So when the lightning strikes, mm-hmm. the plants grow. Yep. You're totally right. I had, I had never heard of that. I had no fucking idea. Um, but I, apparently the benefit of ionized water for plants, so rainwater is a better source of nitrogen for vegetation, and this is why it is preferred over tap water. Rainwater also contains nitrogen in the form of nitrate, which is caused by lightning and electrification in the atmosphere. So I saw this on a bunch of different websites, that air is composed of 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen, and these two elements become ionized and combine to form nitrate. And this is a process called nitrogen fixation. And it, so nitrogen in the atmosphere is transformed into a plant usable form called nitrogen fixation by lightning. So you're what you said is 100% correct, is that lightning, it, it does something to the nitrogen in the atmosphere. and Ionizes. And yeah, and then that, that rainwater becomes even better for the plants because ionized water is good for plants apparently. It oxygenates and balances the pH of but the soil. What I want to know and I know from my own like plant growing or garden which is minimal in this deep hard desert, but um you grow a lot of plants. Do yes, you? but if I lived in the Pacific Northwest or somewhere different, I could grow phenomenal, so could Michael grow phenomenal plants. But even in this harsh 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 desert, I see the benefits of putting rainwater, which is what sparked talking about it. I don't know the scientific facts, but you just filled me in. Yeah. Um, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. Do you capture rainwater? Of course. And you water your plants with it? Of course, anytime we can. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Oh! Okay. You got your thought back. This is not a factual thought, but... It's also when we're catch when I'm we whoever is catching rainwater when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go out there and stand in the rain. I did read that. I don't have it in my notes. Fuck. I wish I did. 
but that like the, the I read this article that was like you everyone's heard the theory of like go dance in the rain go play in the rain it's good for you and but I don't think a lot of people know why I certainly didn't and that and that's why is that it's really it's good for you I wish I could remember exactly why but I'd imagine it has to do with this um but everyone go stand out in the rain you don't have to dance but yeah or dance I think there's whatever. something there I do too I agree with you um all right, well, that's it. That wraps yeah. up our, our bonus episode lookup list. And we'd love to hear if there are other things you want us to look up. And also, happy holidays. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. We will be back with a new episode on Monday. Don't miss it. And please write us, DM us. And uh, happy holidays. Take care. Have a good day off. There you go. Bye-bye. Bye.